Can we thank the worship team this morning? Wasn't that wonderful? Wonderful, wonderful worship. Um, and you may be seated. I'm so glad to be here. My name is Alex, and um, I uh, serve as the assistant to the bishop in the Florida Conference, which basically means um, I live in Lakeland. I work at the bishop's office. I've been doing that for eight years, but I'm a pastor who every now and then gets to preach. Does that make sense? So before I had this job, I would preach every Sunday. Now they just let me out every now and then, okay? And so I'm just really glad to be here, and uh, I have, I'm just going to move this table real quick. Um, I have heard of your church from the very beginning. In fact, I was in the room when Chris and Erica interviewed uh, to come from Tennessee to Florida. Um, so I'm one of the people who played a small part in your pastors coming to Tampa. Aren't you glad that we get to play a small part in something God can do, right? I got to meet Chris and Erica's parents this morning. I had never met them before, and it was just awesome uh, to meet both, all, all of them and, uh, and to look them in the eye and say thank you um, for raising up Chris and Erica for a singular purpose, to serve God and to start a church right here in South Tampa that is truly a movement of God. And I have to tell you, I have prayed for this church a lot. I have sweated over this church a lot. You understand what I'm saying? I've been on my knees about this church a bunch because I've been in meetings with some of you in this room when your leaders have met, and their one question for me is always, Alex, will you stick with it? And I want to tell you something. You have a whole connection. Can you turn me down just a little bit, somebody? Because I feel like I'm echoing. Um, but I want you to know that you have a whole connection of people, a whole connection of United Methodists all around the state who are praying for you. Just this week, I was in a meeting, and your name was on the screen. Horizon Church in Tampa, Chris and Erica Allen. And we prayed for you and for your church because we believe in what you're doing. And we're really excited about the bowling alley, um, which I hear you're like, you know, whatever weeks or months away from getting into, right? I mean, isn't that the way construction works, right? I have no idea. But you're going to get to that bowling alley one day, and we've been a part of helping to do that. And I really believe that God is up to something at Horizon Church. How many of you believe that God's up to something at Horizon Church? Yeah. Now, listen, if you're here for the first time, come back next week, because I'm, I'm not the preacher every week, okay? I'm only here this week. So please come back and hear Chris or Erica preach they are incredible, gifted communicators. Amen? And you need to hear them. And thank you to Abby for hosting us today and uh, for being the worship leader and all the musicians. Wow, wasn't that awesome? Y'all got like one of the best bands in all of Florida. So, um, and you know, when I came in this morning, there were people already here. They had set up the signs and the tent and the chairs and the camera and they're running the... Um, PowerPoint, it's not called PowerPoint, but you know what I mean. It used to be called PowerPoint. That's when I started, it was called PowerPoint. I think it's called like worship design or something. But anyway, I'm just real grateful for all of you who are servants in this place. It takes a team to start a church. And it takes people who are willing to stick with it, even when it's hard. Does that make sense? The truth is, it takes a team to make it through life, right? And to stick with it, even when it's hard. And so I'm just glad to be here. Let me just say one note. Um, Abby's dad is getting installed as the superintendent of the Northwest District, which probably means nothing to you, but uh, he's a pastor. You've probably met Abby's parents, and he is the district superintendent uh, in Tallahassee for the next year, and his installation service is today at 4 o'clock, 
and I have to pick up Abby's mom and drive her to the installation service. So when the service is over, if you don't see me, it's because I got in my car, because if I'm late for Abby's mom, I'm in trouble. Does that make sense? <laughs> and so we're just glad you're here, and I will do my best uh, to be able to greet as many of you afterwards, but I gave a couple of you my card, so if you just want to reach out to me, Chris and Erica know how to reach me as well. So thank you for being here. I'm praying for you. We believe as Methodists that the best is always yet to come. And I want you to believe that today. Now, I know you're in a series called The Donut Effect. Um, I have to be honest with you. Um, I love donuts. Anybody else like donuts? But I am a celiac, which means I'm on a strict gluten-free diet, which means donuts are hard to find. And so because of that, and because I felt the Lord giving me a slightly different message, we're not going to stay with Donut Effect today. Even though I love donuts... Um, and I, I really wish I could eat every donut I've ever met, right? Um, but uh, we're going to focus on a slightly different topic this morning, and I talked with Chris and Erica about that. So let's pray together. Thank you, God, that you are faithful, that your goodness comes running after us. Thank you, God, that in the midst of a world that is broken and divided, you are the one whose mercy never fails. Thank you, God, that even when we're alone and afraid in our lives or we're not sure what's next, you show up and you are present. So, Lord, I pray for Horizon Church today, for their pastors, Chris and Erica, for their team, for all the volunteers who are here. We pray that as Chris and Erica are away at this wedding, that they are being refreshed and renewed them and their family. We pray for the future of Horizon Church and we trust it to you, God, knowing that you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. We pray for our community all around us, this beautiful city of Tampa, this specific community. We pray, oh God, that we would be your light and your love. And we pray for brokenness around the world, thinking particularly of people in Libya and Morocco and so many other places who are desperately in need of you. Help us, God. Help us to hear a new and fresh word from you and help me to get out of the way so that your way might be known, your love proclaimed. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So the scripture passage for this morning, it'll be on the screen. If you brought a Bible with you, because that's the kind of person you are, or if it's on your phone, you can read along. It's Matthew chapter 28. You will recognize these verses beginning with the 16th verse. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of Jesus Christ baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. And I like to say, thanks be to God. Will you say that with me? Thanks be to God. So you ever thought something was going to go one way and it went a different way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about a year ago, I was going to Durham, North Carolina. I went to Duke University uh, for, yes, 
Thank you. Um, and they actually have a football team this year. So, like, miracles do happen, right? Uh, and so I went to Duke. I was headed up to Duke for a, a business trip uh, with our colleagues. And I hadn't traveled uh, as much as I used to. I used to do a lot of traveling post-COVID. We don't do as much. Some of you can relate to that. And so I got on the plane with one goal. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to sit in silence and enjoy a moment to myself. Anybody ever been there? Like you've had a long week and you want to get on a plane and you don't want to think about anybody and you don't want anyone to notice you and you don't want anyone to ask you any questions. You just want to be by yourself. That was me. And I had that assigned seat, and as soon as I sat down, I looked next to me, and there's a mom holding her baby. And I thought, this is not what I wanted. I did not want to be next to the mom with the baby, right? Well, here's what happened. Uh, This... It was an amazing trip because the pilot said at the very beginning, he said, listen, there's going to be some turbulence on the way. And that, my second thought was, great, a baby plus turbulence equals a lot of trouble. But as we flew, this baby next to me never made a sound. Was just calm and patient as can be. And in fact, uh, he kept kind of putting his arm and just kind of touching my arm every now and then. And it was so cute. I love babies, by the way. I just didn't want to be sitting next to one on a plane. You know what I'm talking about. And so I finally turned to the mom and I said, your son is so good on airplanes. She said, yeah, I know. This is our eighth plane trip since he was born. I said, really? She said, yeah, every few weeks we've got to go to Memphis because he's been diagnosed with this rare disease and the hospital that can treat him is in Memphis. So he's really good on airplanes. And then we got into this really interesting conversation. The kid's name was Gino. I don't remember his mom's name, to be totally honest with you. But I remember Gino. And I remember his mom. And I remember that conversation. And I remember in that moment that God was able to do for me what I could not do for myself. And to remind me that everywhere you sit, everywhere you go, there's somebody whose story you don't know. We made this connection. I I gave her my business card. I said, listen, I know Methodists all over the world. Let me know if you ever need anything. She kind of was a little strange by that. She's like, I don't know you, buddy. But we made a connection. And ever since then, I think a little Gino. He lives just outside of Tampa. And I pray for him. You see how that works? The unexpected happens when we are open to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So just imagine these 11 disciples are headed up to the mountain to worship because Jesus had been raised from the dead and he's about to be ascended into heaven and they go up to the mountain and this is not the first time they've been on the mountain with Jesus. But did you notice what the scripture said? It said, when they were there, they worshiped, but some, what's the next word? doubted. Did you notice that? Here they are, the disciples, like the people who got to hang out with Jesus every day and was here watching the raised, the resurrected Christ right before them. They worshiped, but some doubted. And you got to know that they must have talked about their doubts, otherwise it wouldn't be recorded in the gospel. How did we know that? Their doubts must have been fully talked about and discussed. 
I love that about God. I love that about being in a church where your doubts are welcomed. Any of y'all have any doubts about the world? Anybody have any doubts about your children? I've got teenagers. I've got doubts about them, right? <laughs> Anybody have doubts about what's happening in our future? Anybody ever wonder about God and why things happen a certain way and why does it have to work this way? Anyone have read this book and thought, I don't get it? I do. And I spent years reading it. You see, what this scripture tells us is that your doubt is welcomed in this place. Your questions actually help you, just like it helped those disciples, grow in their faith. You have a choice when you doubt to walk away and just to stay in the questions or to get curious and to enter into a community where you can experience some of those answers. You see, I really believe we need more curious people in this world and less dogmatic people. I don't think we need more people who are certain about what's going to happen in the future. And I don't think we need more people who are certain about everything we should believe and certain about exactly what you should think and what your label means. I think we need more people who are curious and wonder and question and seek to find an answer together. What this scripture tells me first and foremost is they worshiped and they doubted and it's always a mix. Because faith is a mystery. Of course it doesn't make sense. We're talking about Almighty God. And it's okay to have your doubts. And some of you are like, I've got lots of doubts. Guess what? The more the better. Because faith always gets stronger when it is seeking understanding. And when it's open my favorite church gatherings is when someone admits that they have no idea what they're doing and they're afraid and they have questions. I am tired of being part of churches who have it all figured out because that's not actually how it works. So they worshiped and they doubted and then Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of Jesus Christ baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all my commands. You see, what Jesus is doing in this simple passage is he's giving them an assignment. And it is our number one assignment. It is actually what the church is built for, to go and make disciples, to go and reach people. You ever gotten confused about the assignment? In school, I got confused about the assignment, right? The teacher said one thing. My teenagers, get, they tell me they get confused about the assignment, right? Anyone else have teenagers who are confused about the assignment? They forgot to turn it in. I get confused about the assignment. And I believe that in churches, we often get confused about the assignment because we make it about something else. Reinhold Niebuhr, a great philosopher, said that any institution, if it's around long enough, no matter how great its purpose is, will eventually turn away from its singular purpose and become self-protective and self-managing. What he's basically saying is when an organization loses its purpose, loses its mission, it begins to turn on itself and make it about itself. I had a friend who was in the ministry similar to about the time that I've been in, and he said he got sent to this church and he was the new pastor and one of his goals was to work with the young people. I started out as a youth director too. In fact, most people in the ministry at some point have worked with young people. Um, we're all like recovering youth pastors, okay? We never got through it, right? 
And so I, I was a youth pastor, and so was this guy, and he said he got to this church and he raised all this money for the youth group to buy a van. And they were all excited about the van, and everybody was about the new van. And he had like gone to all the committees and gotten all this approval and bought the van. But here's the strange thing. As soon as they bought the van, the trustees in the church decided that no one could use the van except if they followed all of these rules. Suddenly, the Boy Scouts couldn't use it because they might scratch the side of the van. And the youth group couldn't take it because uh, they might ruin it. Now listen, this was a Baptist church. Again, I'm nothing against Baptists, but Baptist churches are known for having whole fleets of vans, right? But everyone wanted the van to be protected. It was like, my friend said, they wanted to put the van on the wall and put a plaque up and say, look at how great we are, we have a van, but it never gets used. Because if you're not careful, you'll forget the primary purpose and assignment and you'll make it about self-preservation. What makes sense to you? This isn't just true of churches. It's true of corporations, right? IBM would be an example of someone that because they got too focused on their self-preservation, if you work for IBM, you can send me a note later, their self-preservation, their corporate mentality, and suddenly Apple and a bunch of other people were blowing them away because they were about their purpose in their mission and not just about themselves. And again, that's an overstatement for a reason, but it's a temptation. Listen, you're a new church. You haven't been around that long. But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if every now and then you start thinking about, well, what's best for us and those of us who are already here? Forgetting that your primary assignment is not the people in the room. Your primary assignment our primary assignment, the primary purpose of every church is to go out and meet new people. To send to them the love and joy and hope of Jesus. That's the only reason we exist. And I am admitting and confessing today that I have gotten it wrong more than I've gotten it right. In fact, when I was a young pastor in my first assignment, I would watch the senior pastor come into a room and i think, man, someday I'm going to be like that guy. Because he's like all dressed up and he's got it all figured out and he's going to all these meetings. I just want to go to more of the important meetings. Ridiculous, right? Crazy. But that's what I thought the purpose was. Now, I've been to some church meetings that are pretty amazing. But I've been to some church meetings that will drive me completely up the wall. And I could use another word before wall, but I won't because we're in church this morning, right? Because if you're in a church meeting and it's no longer about people, you're in the wrong place. Everything we do as Christ followers, as people of faith, is about the people who don't yet know about this. The whole reason we exist is to go out and be such a light and a gift of love to this world that other people take notice and say, I want to be like that. Now, I know some of you are really getting nervous right now because you're like, Alex, I'm not Billy Graham, and I don't want to tell people about Jesus. Let's talk about it for just a minute, okay? Here's a couple thoughts about it. The reality is, is because that's our assignment, let's start with really simple things, like this room. When people come in this room, who do they meet? What do they experience? Do they meet a community that is so full of love and joy and contagious hope that they want to be a part of it? 
Or do they meet people who know each other and have forgotten about the newcomer? And let me tell you, it is easy for churches to forget about the newcomer, to forget what it's like to be the first person, the, the person who comes in the room for the first time. I want to give you permission this morning. Everyone say permission. permission. Yeah. Talk to the people next to you. You know, like you could actually talk to each other. You could like talk to the person in the back row and you might think, well, I know I'm supposed to know them because they've been coming here from the beginning and I know their kids are Gracie and Ellie, but I just don't remember their names and I'm afraid to ask. It was nice to meet you, Gracie and Ellie. Fourth grade, second grade, right? I got it right? Not bad for me, okay? So here's the deal. Everyone who walks in this door deserves your attention, deserves your welcome. And they might have been a charter member of this church. You all don't have charter members, but you know what I'm talking about. They might have been here from the beginning, and you have forgotten their name. Just admit it. Say, guess what? I forgot your name. I forget people's names all the time. Shannon, I'm going to forget your name later today, right? <laughs> but I'm hoping not, because we had a great conversation. In the bathroom, of all places, Shannon and I had a great conversation this morning. <laughs> so here's my point. Every person matters, and you have permission to create that kind of spirit and environment here, to get to know one another and to keep getting to know one another and to ask each other, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? You get me? I'm about to give you a list. You got a permission, <laughs> right? You got permission. Now, here's the other thing. Um, if I told some of you to take this microphone and to share your story of what Jesus means to you, your palms are already getting sweaty, aren't they, right? I'm not talking about a speech. I'm not talking about a three-paragraph essay. I'm saying just be ready to say something about God that makes sense in your life. The Bible says always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in, within you. So just have something within you that you're willing to give a little story of hope about. We live in a world who is desperate for hope. You are people who have hope and joy, right? At least you did just a few minutes ago singing that song. So just be that. Be yourself. Here's the great news about this scripture passage. Did you notice what it says? It says, go therefore and make disciples. You remember that? I read it a few minutes ago. Go therefore. Here's what's cool about it. It actually means, if you go back to the original language, it just means as you go. As you go, as you're on your way, Wherever you're walking today, wherever you're driving, whoever you're texting, whatever you're putting on social media, as you go, tell people about Jesus. Or just tell them about this church. Or just tell them there's a God who loves them. Or just be nice to people. Holy moly, we need more niceness in this world, right? Anyone ever met a mean person in Tampa? Anyone seen a bad driver in Tampa? Anyone been frustrated with someone in Tampa? Guess what? You can join their frustration and add to it, or you can change the conversation just by noticing them, meeting them, and asking them, how are you today? Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. I am not someone who always practices what they preach, right? Sometimes, guess who I'm preaching to the most? Me. 
But because I was preaching today about this topic and because I've used some of this before, I thought, man, I'm going to make a day of it today. Now, my kids know that this is what happens to their dad. When he gets up in the morning, he's just excited. Anyone that just woken up, you're excited about the day? I was excited about the day yesterday. I was ready to go. There was football on. I didn't have to work, and I was ready to go. So my kids know that when I'm ready to go, that means everybody's going to get talked to. Let me be clear. Sometimes I get it completely wrong. Sometimes I completely ignore people. But every now and then the Spirit gets a hold of me and says, pay attention, Alex. Look at these people. God loves them. You should too. So yesterday I made a list of all the people I met. I just took this little index card and a little pen in my pocket and I just learned their name. It started with the gene in urgent care. Don't worry, everyone in my family is sick. We're great. All the tests were negative. But you know, 13-year-olds have sinus affections like it's going out of style, right? Jean was the lady at the front desk who wanted to immediately tell me how to fill out the form, even though I have filled out that form a number of times. And I have met Jean before, but she doesn't remember. But I said, Jean, your purple earrings are great. They match your shirt. I said, I love it that you're here on a Saturday morning because you could be somewhere else. And she calmed down just enough to realize that I was a person, and she was too. Then there was the nurse named Kathy, who's doing the things that nurses do, where they're just like height, weight, and all that stuff. And I said, Kathy, I'm so glad you're working on a Saturday. Because if it wasn't for you, I'd be doing this. And I'm not a nurse, and I have no idea how to do it. So you're like the most important person here, because you've got to get us to the doctor. And I'm ready to get to the doctor, because I was ready to go to the next thing, because that was not on my agenda yesterday, right? So I just was nice to Kathy. And we got to know each other. Then there was this doctor, Dr. Darwall. I told him I was going to talk about him, so it's okay. He and I had this little moment because I wanted a specific thing. You ever go to the doctor and you want something specific and you do not care what they want? You want what they want? My brother's a doctor. My sister's a pharmacist. I am a little bit manic when it comes to health concerns, right? Anybody else? So I knew what I wanted, and I was telling the doctor how to do his job. And he finally looked at me and he says, I got you. I think I know what is needed. And so at the end, I said, listen, Dr. Darwell, I'm sorry, I'm a little intense this morning, but I'm going to be praying for you today. Is there anything I can pray for? And he says, you know what? And he actually stopped for just a moment, and we had this great connection. And guess what? He told me that he met Mother Teresa when he was in middle school. He showed me a picture of him with Mother Teresa. Are you kidding me? He got to meet Mother Teresa. And I will always remember Dr. Dalwell, and he probably will forget about me, but I will remember him. Because he had a story to tell, and he was just looking for the opportunity to share it. I could go on. I could talk about Wendy, the server at Kiki's Breakfast Cafe, and the two families who sat next door who were coming in from the cross-country meet, and the lady holding a Lincoln book because I want a new book to read. We had this whole conversation. I, mean, I could talk about the guy at the pinch penny who was behind the desk who I see every day, but I can't remember his every week, but I can't remember his name. I mean, I could tell you about the woman who was behind the Walgreens counter filling my prescription yesterday. And I just said, you are awfully happy to be working on a Saturday. Or I could tell you about the two young men at the UPS store. Joel and Shane. 19 and 21. 
who hate their jobs, and they told me that. And we had this great conversation about having hope even when you hate your job. But here's the deal. This isn't about me. This has nothing to do with me. This has to do with, with what God did in my life. You see, I would be dead if it wasn't for Jesus. And that's another sermon for another day. But because Jesus is in my life, because I actually believe what this book says, I have an assignment to go and spread that to everyone I meet no matter what. And I'm just passing on what was given to me. Today, as you go into your day, I don't know what you're going to do. You might watch the Bucks game. They won last week. That was fun. Let's see if they win again. You might be going downtown. I know it's not downtown. The Hyde Park Village area. I just drove through it. I love that area. Isn't it beautiful? You get to have church right in the middle of like a beautiful setting. You might walk down the street. There was a lady running. There's a guy riding his bike right now. As you go, you could talk to your spouse in a new way today. You could say, you know, things aren't great right now, but let's just have a little joy today. You could talk to your kids or your grandkids or your neighbor. As you go, just share God's love. And remember, he'll show up. Last night I picked up my 15-year-old from homecoming. That's a great thing to do at 11 o'clock at night. That's what I wanted to do at 11 o'clock at night. And, of course, uh, my child and their date wanted to go to Taco Bell on the way home. Listen, I didn't want to go to Taco Bell. I was done with my day. I was thinking about today. I got a long day ahead of me. And I was telling my child about all these things about the day, and they were over me and over my exuberant extroversion, right? But we pull up to the Taco Bell, and I'm just trying to get out of there and get home, and I meet Zach. And Zach does to me what I do to other people. He says, how are you doing? I'm so glad you're here. It's going to be 20 bucks, whatever it was. You want to round up for, I don't know. And then he says to me, I just, so I just met him right back with the same kind of energy. I was like, Zach, you are the best thing I've seen all day. And my, my child's like, listen, he's had a lot of best things he's seen all day. But we had this connection. You know what he said to me? He said, He said that all the glory in his life goes to God. And he has an opportunity to meet people, and he's just trying to share God's love. Zach was one of the best preachers I've ever met. And he's taking money at the Taco Bell because he knows what the assignment is to go. And as you go, meet people. Invite them. There is nothing better than inviting someone to a new church start. You have a brand new opportunity to always be talking about your church. If I was you, I'd have a card in my pocket that had Chris and Erica's number on it and their email, and I'd be saying everywhere I go, we got the best church in town. If you don't go to church, come to mine. And they'd probably say to you, I already go to church. Say, it's okay. You can come check us out. We're better than that other church. 
Now, then you can kind of calmly say, we're not in competition with anybody, and we just want to love everybody. And if you already have a church home, that's great. But let me tell you, don't hesitate to invite somebody to this church. It's what our assignment is. Last thought, and I know I'm over time. Are you all with me? I believe the key to all of that is to let loose of control. So I read one day about turbulence. And when you're a pilot, any pilots in the room? When you're a pilot, the key to turbulence is to fly loose, they say. Because if you have too much control, you'll mess it up. I believe we got to fly loose. The Holy Spirit has given us permission to just let go and see what happens. And remember, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age.